What is your profession? Welcome to OCR Audio with your hosts, Luke and Jack. So we're here today with an amazing guest, Yancy Cole. Yancy, how are you? Doing good, guys. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. My first podcast from across the pond. I'm, I'm super excited to, to chat with you guys today and, and connect with some of the awesome uh, people that uh, over there. And I'm hoping to come see you this year for OCR World Championships. No promises there, but that's the, that's the plan. But again, yeah. man, you guys reaching out. I apologize last week I left you hanging on an accident or earlier this week. But uh, we're on now, man. Let's do this. We're on. That's we're on. It. We're excited to have you on, man. It's great to get you on here to hear some stuff. All of the UK uh, OCR community will love everything you say. It'll be great. Super cool. So uh, there is one question I've been dying to know from yourself. What was your first OCR race or mud race or kind of first race in this uh, field? What was it? True story. 2011, nail-biting nervous. I mean, this is me being very humbling and direct. I waltz into a 2011 Warrior Dash, nail-biting nervous, like, what the hell did I get myself into? Been a runner my whole life, ran track in high school and college, and been competing at master's track and field, was still in great shape. And here I was, nervous to tackle a few mud pits and balance beams and, you know, the simplest obstacles on the planet. And But, hey, I'll give it, I'll give it to Warrior Dash. That simple little race freaking reeled me in, hook, line, and sinker, and I was addicted then moved on, did everything completely backwards in the world of Spartan. My first race, like a week or two later, was the Spartan Sprint here in Austin. My second race, the Spartan Circuit, was an ultra beast. And then my third one was the 2013 death race that you see right there behind me, 72 hours. Oh, wow. So by, by, by like a year and a half in, you know, I had I, I jumped right into all the crazy shit and um, – and then just from 2013 through now, I just, 2013 to 2015, I raced as much as I could possibly race. But to answer your question, man, yeah, it was the, it was the old Warrior Dash. Um, you know, 2011 was the big year when kind of Warrior, Spartan, and Tough Mudder kind of all came on the scene and yeah. hit us with um, a ton of races over here. And just like that, man, we went from like, you know, all you had the year before, if you wanted to do something in your local town was do a local 5k, mm. maybe do a triathlon somewhere, but that was about it for the participatory sports. Now all of a sudden we've got mud runs all over the damn country every weekend. So, I mean, it was just, it was, it was awesome over here, man. We were, we were loving life. No, that's great. Excellent. So you said that uh, you went in and did the death race. How was that back then? Was it brutal? That first death race? 2013 did. 2013 death race, 72 hours, no sleep. Uh, about 300 of us started, 29 of us finished. Oh, wow. um, here's the old, uh, here's the skull, man. There Ooh. it is, the skull. The skull. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was really, we could have, we could do a podcast all by ourselves just talking about that. I was out there with Amelia Boone, Young Young Pack, Olaf Dahlner. Uh, that oh, was wow. the year we, we built the stairs up to uh, Joe's cabin. <laughs> And uh, the top of the mountain, and it's nuts, man. It was just, it was like 
25 amazing experiences all combined in one 72-hour race. Just, yeah, to, you know, um, physically the hardest thing I've ever done, and it was 10 times harder mentally, but mm. it was the greatest. I'll, I'll get very personal with you here early on in the podcast. That race helped get me through cancer in 2016 and 17. I mean, I would, there were so many times, well, actually since 2013, there's so many times that I kind of latched on to moments in that race when, you know, anybody's lying to you if they tell you otherwise. There was probably 50 times in that race where you're like, oh my God, I'm in over my head. This is ridiculous. I can't do this. Yeah. You get 10 minutes deeper in, you're like, okay, wait a second. I, I was able to do that. And you just break it up into all these tiny little pieces. Instead of looking at the grand scheme of things, oh my God, this may never end. We did, we just chipped away at it, and and sure enough, at the end, twenty nine of us, uh, they made us about seventy hours in. They had us in tuxedos, lined up, twenty nine of us, and that was kind of the grand finale. They came up, and we had we've been collecting. You see the little the little poker chips up there. Yeah. Every time we do something, like there was about twelve epic challenges, and every time you'd finish one, you'd get this little poker chip, and they didn't tell you anything other than just hand you this damn poker chip. So. I was like, these may be important. So I kept them in my little Pelican dry pack. And at the end of the race, we're 72 hours in. They're like counting our poker chips while we're standing there half dead in our tuxedos. And sure enough, I had all my poker chips. So I, uh, that earned me this freaking skull, man. That's it, man. Hard earned, well earned. Good, good, good experience, though. I'm, uh, I'm very interested, Yancy, how someone goes from doing a race where they were obviously completely what they thought without their depth you do the warrior dash. You then sign up to a sprint because I suppose that's a natural progression to go and do a Spartan. Yeah. Then somehow you end up doing an ultra. Um, 2012 you, ultra in Killington, Vermont. Oh, wow. Not a hard one as well. It was the very first one. Very, very first one. Very first ultra on the planet. Wow. That's crazy. So were you generally at a level of fitness um, where you could just achieve it? Did you know you, you were able to do it or you know, did you have to then think, right, I'm going to have to train for this? Or were you already at that level of fitness by that point? You know, back in 2011, 2012, we didn't know anything. I mean, I, I'd been a coach for many years, coaching running and, and, and strength and conditioning for, for local high school and college athletes and whatnot. But we did, you just, you didn't know. I mean, back then you would, there was just, you know, I programmed so much creative OCR specific strength training in my Yancey camp workouts, for example, my online training program, that, that now, you know, are helping hundreds and thousands of people bulletproof themselves on obstacles. Well, back then it was just, I mean, almost every race for a couple of years, it, you know, you're just, there was a new obstacle thrown at you. And I probably failed two or three obstacles per lap. I mean, I bet I, I bet I failed six, seven, I bet I did six, seven, eight sets of burpees during that. Um, you didn't know the ter what to expect with the terrain. I mean, now we go to Killington, we know exactly what to expect. Um, I mean, that race completely turned me inside out. In a way, it was um, – there was a monsoon rain on the second lap. In a way, physically, it was, in a way, harder. Those 12 hours, 11, 12 hours were harder than the death race. Uh, not as crazy mentally. But, you know, it was back then when – I mean, you know, anything, anything under 10 hours was going to be insanely fast. You know, it was very common to see 10 to 13-hour – you know, pretty good athletes in that 10 to 13 hour range for an ultra beast. But it, it was an unbelievable challenge. You know, it, it was other than, cause that was before the death race. So, so physically, you know, I had done some ultra, ultra, uh, 
trail marathon type races and, and whatnot. But physically, that was the hardest thing I had ever done. And, you know, the massive dropout rate, I think the dropout rate that year was like 60, 70%. Um, about 60 of us got lost and we're, we're the famous lost tribe. We did end up doing like five miles too long. Oh. And, um, but yeah, man, great. Just amazing memories. I, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I, you know, most people are like, well, your, your second Spartan race was an ultra beast. Um, and I, then I went on and did the next, the, the 2013, 2014 ultra beast in, in Killington. And, you know, those are game changing events. They're, they're, they're such an, like I said about the death race and, and, and my cancer journey, those kind of things give you moments to, that you'll never forget that you can reach out and latch onto when yeah. things get a little crazy and tough. You remember where you took your mind and your body far beyond. It doesn't matter. You could be the greatest athlete on the planet. I mean, you could take a Hunter McIntyre or, or any of the females or any of the great men. If you jump into an ultra beast, you're going to be freaking tested, man. I don't care who you are. It's going to, uh, it's going to turn you inside out. That's just the way that race is. You're going to tackle 70 obstacles and freaking 30 miles. Are you kidding me? That's just, I mean, that's a great full body test of, I mean, that's something that you could literally, you could plug that in a Marine Corps or army boot camp. Hey, to graduate, you've got to do a Spartan ultra beast. And 50% of the, of the recruits might not, might not freaking finish. That's just mm -hmm. how tough that kind of test is. But, um, anyway. Yeah, it's tough. But no, you, like you said, you do take those experiences with you later on into other races, into life as well. Uh, myself and Jack did the Spartan Race European Championships in Morzine, and it was absolutely brutal. It was like 40% hills, mm -hmm. uh, like three massive peaks. Uh, it was a beast, so it wasn't an ultra, but it was still long enough to feel it. Mate, um, I wanted to throw myself off the cliff. <laughs> You almost, you almost died on that. Course. I nearly did. <laughs> well, what's, what, what's unique about that is really and truly, it doesn't matter if it's a sprint or an ultra beast. I mean, if you're pressing yourself, if you're racing any of those distances, yeah. I mean, a stadium sprint, some of the hardest, some of the, some of the craziest, deep, raw, physical brutality I've ever put myself through is those 25, 30 minute races uh tmx last year i freaking i turned myself inside out to the point of death almost i was just so it was so brutal you know so it's all about how you go you know what's your level of fitness and how hard you attack it so it doesn't matter what distance it is that the sport of obstacle course racing i always say i argue it's the largest it's the it's the the most grand and largest fitness movement the world has ever seen i would debate that with anybody Bigger than there's, five, there's five plus million people across the world that are going to gyms for a different reason. They're yeah. training for a different reason. You know, seven, eight, 19 years ago, the three of us were going to the gym to maybe look better in a freaking bathing suit for the summer or, or have, have t leaner toner muscles or lose a few pounds or put on a few pounds. That's the reason why 99.9% .9 of people walked into a gym. Well, now we wake up on a Monday morning and we have a different reason for training, man. The, the sport oh, yeah. of OCR created that. I mean, they, it's, what fitness movement that is, is more well-rounded and functional than OCR that, that, that's bigger that the world's ever seen? I mean, running was a big fitness movement. CrossFit's an amazing fitness movement. But the world of OCR is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, we've ever seen. So it changed. we are literally living in a time, in a, a beautiful, amazing time, where we've seen the sport of OCR 
just changed the game, dude. So it's really cool. You wouldn't have yeah. a podcast without it. I wouldn't have Yancey Camp without it. You, you know, it's good stuff. We, no, we're not yet there in England, I don't think. Um, obviously, in America, with Yancey Camp and stuff, obviously, you there. I think you really made it. Uh, I, think, I think people in the UK are starting to realize that now. Like I was saying to you before, I've just started a, an OCR boot camp up uh, my own facilities. And it's amazing. I'm getting those guys that are going to the gym, the girls that are going to the gym to look good in bikinis and that. And they're slowly starting to realize that actually being outside, functional movements, moving, crawling, you know, even being a kid, you know, we played Bulldog last night, which is, uh, I'm sure you've played that before as, as a youngster. And I've got like 40, 30, 40, 50 year olds loving it, you know, yeah. really like smiles on their face. They get back and they look at the watch and they've burnt 400 calories, 500 calories, and they love it. Do you know what I mean? No, it changed in America at least. And I'm sure you're kind of starting to see it here. When you walk into any mainstream gym, a, a gold, a lifetime, a 24 hour fitness, and any time planet, you, you can look around and you spot people all over the gym and you know exactly what they're training for. They're like jogging to the next station. They're, they're getting off the treadmill, running over and doing a minute of, of strength training and coming back to the treadmill. When in the past, you know, nine out of 10 people were doing, okay, three sets of eight, bench press, squat, you know, take the 45 second break in between. Well, that doesn't fly in OCR. You know, like I've got 600 anti campers that are being, here's a 45 minute workout. Here's exactly what you do into the gym to literally take the obstacle course to the gym to mm. make that workout feel like an OCR race. So the sport has actually changed the way the gyms feel. There's more functional space being yeah. and over here. There's a, you know, every gym is they'll go under if they don't put a functional space in, if they don't take like a thousand square foot and make it this really cool functional space with stuff that we weren't used to seeing in there. We're getting that now. We're getting that now. Every UK gym is being, yeah. I would say, the last five months has just been re-renovated with monkey bars, with hanging dangly bits. The best bit is no one knows how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, we'll just get rods. And, and, and show people how to use it. But, yeah, and no, I think we're getting there. Yep. Have you always been a coach, Yancy, then, before pre-OCR? Always a coach? I, I fell in love with fitness and coaching when I would say I truly fell in love with it when I was in the Navy, we, we all get collateral duties. And so I was, I was running uh, track in college and uh, I was always a good runner. So I was in good shape and I could, you know, score 300 on my PT test. It was a, it was a simple run push-ups and setups and I could easily score 300 there. So what happened was they, they tagged me as a collateral duty. Hey, you're going to help people not fail their damn PT test. Cause if you fail your PT test, at a certain point, they'll, they'll boot your ass out of the military. Probably the same over there. You got to keep your ass in shape. You know, yeah. firefighters, police officers, people in the military. Like I say, if, if, if you're paid by the taxpayer, you should keep your ass in shape. That should be like a, a just a, a, a given. But so my job was to help people pass their PT test. And so that was my first official coaching job. I had no certifications. I was just a guy that was in good shape and had a shit ton of energy and loved to motivate people. So then, um, you know, eight, 16 years in the corporate world, but during that time in the corporate world, I, I started getting certifications. My first, uh, full t my first official job was a personal trainer at the YMCA in San Diego. Just started coaching more. Um, kind of on the side, had always taken my, my running coaching, you know, my experience learned in high school and college, working with some really good coaches. 
you know, running coaching and building programs for runners, just wanting to improve their 5K, 10K time. Um, and started coaching for the Y, started, uh, started up a boot camp, uh, had a successful boot camp for 12 years, had anywhere from 50 to 80 people that would show up Monday through Thursday, year round, four days a week. And uh, I would do a good full body functional fitness boot camp. Just did a ton. You know, I would start my day with a 5.30 in the morning work, a boot camp workout. I'd go pound the pavement in the corporate world, um, managing 80 to 100 people, hiring and firing and doing the whole corporate stuff, managing a, a big FBO uh, in the private aviation world. And I would book in my day coaching a boot camp with 50 to 80 people out there. So, you know, I was knee deep in creating uh, a fitness business mm. before the OCR world came on. And then I started doing as many races as I could possibly do. I just packed a ton of races in. And I could tell real quickly that it was a type of sport that it was going to be very beneficial to have a lot of experience and like what you, what, what, what happens out there on course? You know, what, how, what does the body go through physically and mentally? What does it feel like to do short races, mid distance races, long races, ultra races, you know, what happens to the muscle groups, you know, uh, learning how to build grip and pull strength, grip and pull strength, endurance workouts to prevent people from failing obstacles, you know, learning how to, attack certain strength training movements in in your gold's gym you know you've only got 30 45 minutes to work out how can we build a workout around that 45 minutes to maximize your time so you're that's going to translate out on course uh so you know years of just doing you know 100 plus races over various you know from tough mutter to spartan to ocr worlds all these different races as many things as I could do and all the distances and many different, many different types of terrain that I could do took my coaching experience, my running experience meshed in the obstacle experience. And, and then eventually started nancycamp.com. And th that kind of came about because I, you know, I had about 25 full-time clients and I was, it, it was crazy busy. And at a certain point you have to cut that off or you're going to dilute your ability to provide for those full-time athletes. So I, I had hundreds of people wanting to, to get my coaching, but I, I was just telling them no. So I was like, I, I was racking my brain. I got to come up with some way to provide a level of OCR coaching service to them. That's when Yancey Camp came about where you could go on, you could team with the Ryan Kents, the Rose Wetzels, the Matt Novakovichs, the Ray Kobels, the various at Glenn races, the various athletes, the Morgan McKay's, the Allison Ties, Miguel Medina's, those type. You can, you can yeah. team athletes that specialize in maybe short distance, mid distance, ultra distance and see their workouts behind the scene. Um, so, so yeah, man, it was, um, you know, the, the world of fitness kind of came about to get back to your question. You know, my, my, my days in the Navy, that's kind of when I fell in love with it. Nice. Who's your first big sort of client? What, you know, at what point did someone reach out to you and you went, holy shit, this is getting serious business now. Isaiah Vidal and April D, yeah. April Hartwig. I started coaching them in 2013. And uh, Isaiah in 2013 and then April. And in 2014, they both had amazing uh, world championships. Yeah. April finished finished third, third, and fourth in the three. There was a short course, there was the beast, and there was the ultra beast at World Championships. April finished third, third, and fourth, and Isaiah finished first, third, and fifth. So they just crushed it, you know, and it was, I think it was the first time where 
there was very few athletes that were following, you know, that were just able to kind of turn off their brain, be told what to do from somebody that, that had a good understanding of what to expect for the course, how to, how to build, you know, mesocycle, you know, period, how to do a little bit of periodization to, to maximize your time to kind of prepare for your one big A race. Um, because it's crazy, you know, if I'm training you guys for the Olympics in the 1500 meters, that's very black and white, uh, micro meso and macro cycles looking for this big once every four years event or world championships every year. Um, it's very black and white. Well, OCR changed the game and it's super gray. There's you know, to, to, to build sponsorships and really get your name out there. You got to race. A lot of these athletes realize they got to race year round. You can't just race. You know, Cody Moe's come out and race at world championships. That's not going to fly. So it's a roller coaster ride. And so a lot of gray area in the world of periodization and programming and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, I, I was able to provide them with a little bit of structure and a little bit of guidance. Mm -hmm. And um, I started picking up more and more clients. And it just kind of ballooned into, you know, most, I think nine out of 10 people myself included if i'm training for if i'm training for i don't know ocr world championships and i want to win the 45 to 49 category i would prefer even myself even though i love coaching i would prefer to have okay you're going to come in and tell me exactly what to do because it's just fun to turn off the brain and just work not yeah. have to create it i love creating but even myself i love being told what to do as long as i trust the program so and nine out of 10 people are going to be like that. You just want to know that that hour spent is a quality hour spent. To, it's going to translate out on course. So, you know, and um, got to 25 plus people, had to say no more, had to create the system that would allow people to, uh, to do it online, provide them. The answer camp basically provides you a lot for a little. So most people can, can afford it in, in their budget. Yeah. No, I think one of the big things you said as well, that obviously you've done the racing, you've done a lot of racing, so you know what people are going to expect out on the course. So I think what you can give to the athletes is great because you have an understanding of the race. OCR is such like a young sport. It's still not black and white what the athlete should look like to be the best athlete. So it's good that you've got uh, knowledge of racing, different races, short distance, long mm -hmm. distance to give that to the athlete, which is uh, definitely something we're seeing a little bit in the UK. We've got a few coaches who are really good OCR racers who are also moved into the coaching side now, which is giving that first-hand experience across. Yeah. Well, what, is, uh, what, what's, you know, over here, every single weekend, I mean, most weekends we'll have one to three Spartan races. A lot of weekends we'll have three. Tough Mudder's got everything going on. Uh, Conquer the Gauntlet, Savage, Rugged Maniac, Terrain Race, all there's, I mean, there's five to 10 OCR races every single weekend, Oof. every single weekend, 52 weeks of the year. So there's, there's millions of people that are racing and, and here's the deal. It doesn't matter if we do OCR where you're from or mm. anywhere in Europe. If we go to down to Australia, South Africa, the U S the Scandinavian countries, there's a couple pillars and foundational pieces that I know and you know that the, the programming has to revolve around. 99% yeah. of obstacle failure comes from you not being able to support your body weight with, with grip and pull strength, grip and pull strength endurance on, on obstacles. That's where most obstacle failure comes from. In the Spartan race, if you take out the spear, 
every single obstacle that's failed is because you don't have the ability to tackle grip and pull strength, grip and pull strength, endurance obstacles at a high heart rate. So a lot of my training is going to be based on helping you keep your band and eliminate burpees by working on those specific things. If you just go to the gym and do grip and pull strength, grip and pull strength, endurance training, and then the next day do your running, that's not going to translate very well out on course. But if I have you jumping off a treadmill every two minutes, three minutes, and attacking the bar for 30 seconds like a madman, and then jumping back on the treadmill, and then going and maybe doing some lower body work, that's shit, that's going to translate. So there's the pillar one is you've got to have great grip and pull strength, great grip and pull strength endurance. If you want to get better out there, you've got to be able to transition. Your, your running transitions between the obstacles has got to get better. you got to be able to climb mountains. you got to be able to carry heavy shit. I mean – those four things, if you get better at those four things, you're going to be a better obstacle course racer. Now, there's some other kind of B-level stuff that you need to work on, but that's the basics. No matter where we race on the planet, that's, you know, some, a lot of my workouts are going to revolve around those key things and getting as creative as I can. How, you know, so you're not doing, I don't, have, I don't want you doing the same thing every day. I want to be creative. I want you to enjoy the experience but I know what causes obstacle failure. Yeah. Period. I, I know it. It's, it's not rocket science. And um, you got to be, you, you can't just run and do burpees. That ain't going to cut it. You know, I, you was, gotta, um, I was listening to VJ Jones on uh, Richard Diaz's podcast the other day. Uh-huh. And, he, and the one thing he's changed this year is that very thing. So he, he can run, he can do obstacles, but what he's taught himself to do is run and do obstacles. So when he gets to the obstacle, he can do it at a very, you know, coming off a four and a half minute mile. And he said, yeah, that's yeah. the only reason he's really improved this year is because he's put that type of training in. Yeah. And here's the, you know, it's very true. And here, this is not debatable. When you can, when you have extreme confidence, I mean, unbelievably high level extreme confidence in your grip and pull strength, grip and pull strength endurance, what that allows you to do is run into the obstacle, attack the obstacle, and immediately take off running. If you don't have that, if you're very high, let's, say, let's take the best runner from the UK. You know, he just, I don't care if he wins the Olympics in the 10K, I promise you his ass or her, they're going to come off that, they're going to come off of some of those obstacles and they're going to have to sit there for 30 seconds and let their heart rate come down. And then they still might fail it. And now the guy or the girl that's, three minutes slower in the 5k or six minutes slower in the 10k beats them in that race. Mm -hmm. So when you can develop an insane level of of, of confidence in your OCR specific strength training, I use that term a lot, OCR specific strength training, you know, you could be, you could have been lifting a barbell. You could be a power lifter. We're going to have a big, powerful grip, right? But you're not doing this all the time. You're not doing, you know, my workout, my anti-scamp workout, you're going to be opening and closing your grip. I don't, maybe 500 times in, in a one hour workout. So that's, you know, that's the, you know, versus three sets of eight where all eight reps, your hands are just on the bar. We got to develop farm strength. I mean, just opening and closing those hands all day long. So that, that twister obstacle that ha- has you releasing your grip 26 times yeah. to get across it at 170 heart rate, you run in that freaking obstacle. Like that's cake. The only thing that I could possibly fail might be the spear, just a fluke accident. It's kind of like, an NBA player missing a free throw, you're going to make 90 out of 100. Well, you're going to miss a few spears. Other than that, you got to bulletproof your 
your obstacle proficiency. I don't care what it throws at you. That's why I love, I love toughest overseas. You know, that's um, the South Africans, the South Africans are, are, and and, and the athletes that do toughest, they just have, dude, there, there's nothing. They laugh at all obstacles. They laugh at them. You know, I, I trained Greg Averinos down in South Africa, and I know Thomas Van Tonder. And yeah. dude, those guys, those guys make obstacles look like child's play. If you look at the the Black Ops, the Warrior Race, Warrior, Warrior Series, race. Black Ops, yeah. dude, that Black Ops race. My client Benny Gifford went down there, and he was the very first um, non South African to ever finish a Black Ops race. Most people get soul crushed. I, I, I love that stuff. You know, I, I love. The worst course to me is a course where, like, you know, your, your 10K Olympic champion could come on the, to the course and win. That's not a good OCR race in my mind. You know, I want that, I want that person that's realized, you know what, I got to put on 10 pounds of upper body and lower body muscle. Um, I got to build some strength. I got to look like more of a functional athlete to, to dominate this course. I got to be a good runner, and I have got to be really good at OCR-specific strength training. That's what makes a great – OCR athlete, not a great runner. You got to be a really good runner and, and know what to expect out on course. And that takes some um, years of, so yeah, something like VJ, my, my client, James Nair and, and um, James Nair and VJ and John Penland just got, uh, I think they took third, they took second or third at OCR. Yeah. And those kids are like, they're like 16 to 19 years old. James is just a, is a rock star. So when you see athletes, VJ and John and, and, and James's uh, age doing what they're doing. Uh, it's really cool to kind of see the future of, of the sport because in the running world, I mean, you don't really hit your prime until you're most athletes until they're in their mid thirties. You know, the last three uh, Spartan world champions were 39 years old. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, uh, the last two were 39 years old and, and the guy to beat this year is, is Ryan Woods and he's 39. Woods. To see people doing it in their teenage years is just epic. Funny enough, the only exception to that rule is John Alban. Um, everyone else has been over the age of 30. Yep, John, uh, what's John, probably 29? My age, 29, yeah. 29, yeah, and um, um, yeah, very, he won in 2014 when he was 25, I guess. So he was the only, only exception to that rule, I think. Everyone yeah. else is 30. And, uh, you know, he came in, and John is, um, John is unbelievably efficient on on obstacles and he's kind of like a john's kind of like a hobie call his strength to weight ratio is amazing mm-hmm. you know for john and neither one of them weigh very much john's probably i don't know 145 hobie's probably 150 but they're unbelievably strong for their weight ron atkins is like that ron you know probably 163 164 but he's stupid strong for that weight and, um, but that's, that's pretty rare. You know, most people like a, a, a John album or, or, or a Hobie are just not going to have that freakish strength. Like you see, you know, I've seen John, you know, do two 60 pound sandbags in a Spartan race and he's not going to be the fastest up the hill, but I'll tell you what, he gets it done. And that's yeah. just, dude, those two sandbags are, are 25 pounds shy of being his whole freaking body weight. So yeah, the guy's just, um, I, I've, I really, the one bummer about Spartan worlds being at altitude is what happens is you have all these guys and girls merge into Tahoe and the playing field is not level because, you know, albums come in. He's never been acclimated. He's not coming from high altitude. 
So I, I really think that's the only reason he's never won Tahoe because, you know, it's just, it's basically, okay, John, I'm going to take 5% of you. You just don't have it. You're operating at 95% today. Um, so you never know. It's always like that question mark. I'd love to see, okay, the top 20 male and females and have that check marks. You know, what altitude, where do you live? You know, yeah, who was actually a trend for sure. Yeah. In oh. Killington, in Killington, it's like 2000 feet. It's not, it's not a factor. But in Tahoe, that's the only – I love that venue, but it's the one game changer that you just never know. Um, you know, Cody, Cody was acclimated last year. John had an amazing race. Yeah. Robert Killian. Robert Killian's acclimated. He lives, he lives in, in Colorado. But um, anyway. Where do you stand? Um, there's a big thing at the minute in, in the UK. Um, I'm just saying we are talking to Ian Adamson um, on our last podcast, um, president of the OCR. And they're really going towards the short core racing. So we're talking like like 800 meters, 400 meter track OCR races. Have you seen any of these in, in oh, the... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, Ninja, I think yeah, you called I, it. I've, I've raced them. Um, I raced the very first one, 2016 uh, Spartan Stadium race, AT&T Stadium in Dallas. We had a 1,000 meter. Ian came in. We had the, we had the laser pistols. Uh, and 1,000 meter course on the on the on the football field. It was amazing. Yeah. It, it, here's the deal: um, to ever make it in the Olympics, it's got to be extremely standardized, where 40 plus countries can all tackle the exact same obstacles, the exact same distance. No black and white. It's got to be. I mean, it's got to be black and white. No gray area. Otherwise, you just you can't have it in the Olympics because it's got to be kind of a level playing field for all these countries. So standardization would be key. I think where a lot of people get hung up and they get all like flustered about things is the entire sport of OCR, all the brands, Spartan, Tough Mudder, Adrian, OCRWC, everything overseas, Toughest, uh, Warrior, none of that has to change. Every bit of that can go on as it is, and we could be in the Olympics in, in four years, six years, whatever, and that could be a very standardized race. It's still obstacle course racing. Everything we've seen so far that's very standardized, it's not a bunch of – the last thing they need is half the field failing obstacles. It, it's, it's, it's been very basic obstacles. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that as far – like I like to see athletes like Corinna Coffin and Hunter McIntyre and Ron Atkins, big, strong males and females. I like to see strong hybrid athletes winning races. Well, that comes from – carrying having to carry heavy shit having to do her having to you know navigate crazy obstacles having to drag sleds and push things flip things yeah. that's where those type of athletes come from you know when you when you when you make it too when, it, when it's a certain level of easy now all of a sudden that 5k olympic champion can come in and be relevant i think that's what the first rollout of the olympics i think that's what we'll see yeah. But but really and truly, I, I think on the non-Olympic side, you know, TMX changed the game big time. Changed the game. We had we had the highest level OCR athletes and CrossFit athletes merge in at TMX last year and now this year in Virginia. And you saw badass 140, 150-pound women crushing it. And you saw, you know, big, strong guys uh, from CrossFit, like the Jacob Hetners and the Hunter McIntyres coming in. That was amazing to watch. Well, what that is, here's the deal. 
a world's toughest mutter, a toughest mutter, a Spartan beast. Those things are never going to be extremely television friendly, Netflix friendly, Amazon friendly, Hulu friendly. I don't care what type of TV it is. Those are, but TMX are a Spartan sprint, a 20 minute sprint in a stadium. Um, things that are where athletes are moving extremely fast and they're, and they look like Captain America and Wonder Woman. That's stupid TV friendly, man. That, that flies people. That's edge of your seat excitement. I don't care if it's in the UK or America. We, we are sitting there eating that shit up, man. And so that's, I think that's, you know, forget the Olympics. I think that's where you're going to see the greatest benefit, but we're at this teeter totter point right now where that's tough because you take Spartan and Tough Motor over here, they make 90% of their money by 12,000 people showing up for every race. I mean, they, they'll clear a million dollars in a weekend. So that's a 15 minute race. You're not going to get 10,000 people to show up for a 15 minute race and fly in. So there's going to be a breaking point where I hope nothing changes in the current world, but I think you're going to see more and more of the TMX type things being unveiled because the Epic money is made through huge sponsorships, through millions of people wanting to watch it through, you know, Netflix gets this Epic deal because, you know, subscription goes up a million members because now they have this new Netflix original series, whatever, whatever you guys know how it works. Um, I think we're going to see more of that, you know, five years from now, we're going to have more TV friendly type stuff while also seeing the races that draw 10,000 people. No, yeah, definitely. TMX uh, looked amazing. I watched some of the highlights and some of the stuff that all of the athletes were posting on the day. Um, it was great how they managed to get a lot of the games athletes there, like Patrick Vellner as well. It just gave it that exposure. Oh, it's yeah. amazing getting them there. Um, and obviously, they're probably going to do it again next year. And I think more of the games athletes will go to the event because it was well-received. And obviously... Uh, Hunter's thrown his hat into maybe the CrossFit world as well, so he'll bring a few more crossovers. So that rolling TMX out in different parts of America, obviously, and maybe Canada, and then seeing it in Europe would be a great thing. We all watched it in the UK, and we were like, I want to give that a go. But Yeah. We're waiting for for Spartan to deal with CrossFit so we can get to make in England for that type of thing, but whether that will happen, I know... I know we probably shouldn't say this, but I know Spartan UK are trying to get a, um, a stadium uh, race again back next year. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, then yeah, I think that that crossover to CrossFit might naturally start to come across. Well, and I I, I had the one I, you know I had the wonderful opportunity to to communicate with Joe DeSena on the regular. Um, we've been. Uh, friends and, and, and kind of business collaboration collaborating together in various businesses for since 2013 to death race. And I don't know exactly where they'll go, but you know, they're this close from, I could step in and make a few tweaks to any stadium race and you would almost have TMX mm-hmm. literally would almost have TMX. I don't know if you guys have ever watched any of the Facebook live feeds of the stadium races. Yeah. Uh, you know, now that they've taken the burpees down to 15, the field stays a lot closer. If, you know, five guys and five girls miss their burpees, miss their spirits, not the end of the world. It doesn't create this dramatic separation. If you took about five or six of those obstacles that are currently in there, some of the strength-based obstacles, and made that stuff a little heavier, 
you would have you would have it you would have Spartan TMX. You would have the same type of race. Those races that take you know the best of the best guys completed Spartan Sprint in about twenty four to twenty seven minutes. They're flying. They're crazy fast. The girls are as well. And all of a sudden, you the weights come up, the slam balls get heavier, and various obstacles get heavier. Now, the CrossFitters are like, wait a second. Emma Chapman, who won TMX, ran Bush Stadium, Spartan Stadium race last weekend. I don't know if you guys – and I'm sorry, and she got second place. So, Emma – so that's, an, that's a really strong regional-level CrossFit athlete. She just put her name on the, in the spotlight by winning TMX. All of a sudden, shows up at a Spartan Stadium race last weekend. I thought that was really – cool. I talked to her on, through Instagram and, and I was like, Emma, you now you've seen, if they make some of those weights a little heavier, all of a sudden now you're soul crushing a lot of that competition that, that, that girl that beats you now, all of a sudden you're, you're winning. And so that's going to be a unique situation for Spartan. You know, the, you know, I don't, I'm not the decision maker there obviously, but you could, you know, you run the risk. If we make those slam balls heavier and we take a couple other obstacles and make them a lot tougher more challenging where you need more strength. Maybe you run off some of your regular open category racers, but now you, on the flip side, you also have a more TV friendly race. So there's a, there's a balance there. You know, maybe you have, you know, one side of the course for the open racers and then you have the heavy section here for the elites, but it's going to be really cool. I hope you guys get your, your stadium. I'll be honest, man. It's hard for me to say sometimes, but my favorite uh, Spartan race is a stadium. And I was, I was a miler in college. I was kind of a, a middle distance runner, 800 meter, 1500 meter guy. So my genetic potential, you know, that's kind of where I fall into having my best races. I love the long stuff, but uh, I, I really like the, the short stuff as far as where I'm going to do my best. Yeah, no, it's great. Yancy, you mentioned yeah. uh, um, your training systems. Can we, can we talk about power, uh, your training systems? Uh, power systems? Power, power systems, system, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a master's coach for for Power Systems. We're based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. We are we have approximately 2,800 SKUs, so we're one of the largest fitness equipment distributors, fitness equipment providers in the world. Um, we have um, an epic partnership with with Spartan that we're getting ready to. I don't know when I don't know when this podcast will air, but right around the time it airs, you know they will be officially unveiling. You know, we came out and, and, and our, our official collaboration came out at Iceland last year, the, the, the Ultra, Spartan Ultra. We were a big sponsor there. But what we're, what we're doing is um, we're going to have co-branded equipment. You know, so Spartan will have – they'll be taking some of our awesome equipment and it'll be Spartan fitness equipment. And it'll be for sale on the Spartan website. You know, all the millions of Spartan racers can, can, can buy – um, certain equipment that's great for OCR specific strength training gyms, you know, the, the, the big box gyms can buy Spartan branded, um, equipment for their functional spaces. You're going to see some of that equipment merge into some of the Spartan races. And I like, you know, right now you carry, you carry an Atlas ball, you know, let's yeah. say we have a state race and you're picking up an, an actual concrete Atlas something. Well, picture a Spartan dead ball, a hundred pound for the guys and a 70 pound, uh, ball for the for the girls pitcher picking that up so literally the atlas carry could be on the stadium floor or it could yeah. be on concrete somewhere or it could be anywhere at an outside race where you might want it without tearing up the the ground um so really cool stuff like that so really neat collaboration there 
Um, I have the great opportunity for Power Systems to travel around and, and, and work uh, large fitness shows for them, uh, coach, coach large, large group workouts, uh, showing off a lot of our awesome equipment. If you guys go to yancycamp.com and access Power Systems through my website, you can you have access to a bunch of uh, awesome discounts. And uh, I'm kind of the, I'm, I'm the OCR branch of all things Power Systems and, and promoting, you know, basically what we've been able to do, there, there's a lot of new equipment that, that works very well for, for the sport of obstacles racing, but, but we've reinvented a lot of traditional equipment. You know, what I do with a dumbbell, kettlebell, sandbag, and all these various things, you know, I, I, I'll do things with kettlebells and, and slam balls that we would have never done that before OCR. You know, we would have never done it in that exact manner or even things with dumbbells or Versa loops. You know, now we're taking a kettlebell and, and, and showing people how to use it to improve your grip and pull strength, grip and pull strength endurance above and beyond anything we've ever done. So, you know, there's, we have 2,800 SKUs. So anything you would ever need in the fitness world, we've got it, but we're taking, you know, a, a smaller group of select pieces of equipment and really targeting those to the OCR world, the OCR community. So that's, uh, that's my elevator spit, uh, spiel for, for all things, all things power system. Amazing company. Great, just great people working for them. When I, when I came on the team, I had no business. I had time for nothing else. And after about a 60 second talk with the vice president, I was like, you know what? My mind's thinking I, I got to find a way to make it on this team because they've got a lot of cool stuff going on and I can help them in the world of OCR. And I just like, I like their attitude, their approach, how they, how their, uh, their love for fitness and, and customer service. It's just an exceptional company. About um, half a year ago, I found myself on YouTube for about three hours watching videos of yourself with um, still bells, hyperwell still bells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those things. So my boot camp, I have, I have ten of each weights, pretty much, and I get my clients to do all sorts of that. And the other day, I was getting them doing kettlebell swings with them, and every yeah. one. Of come away going bloody hell my grip and I was like exactly that's exactly right. why we've done it yeah you know? you, you've you've seen my uh you see my side to side sandbell rows yes and the high toss as well I love that yeah so again you're you know when, when you're designing those workouts for your people you know it could be something like a a kettlebell snatch or, or I'm, I'm sorry a kettlebell dumbbell or a sandbell snatch and or a clean just make sure you're 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 switching your hand every single rep and we're in the past you might do three sets of eight all on the right side yeah. and, and the other side but if you do those eight reps and you switch hands every single rep over the course of a year you've added six six seven eight thousand of this yeah. wherein you know it would have been 90 percent less had you not been switching your grip every time so simple things like that so so yeah i'm glad i was able to help you out uh with, with Helping you, you coach your boot camp a little bit there, man. That's good yeah, stuff. You give me dinner cooked, but yeah, definitely help me uh, with my library in my head. Um, Love coming it. Back to what you're saying about Spartan, that's that's pretty awesome. I don't know if you realise, but um, so the UK is owned by American Spartan. So yes. hopefully, what you guys get, we get here in the UK. So, so we've just had literally last two races in England. We've just had all the new gear come from America all the aluminium uh, rope climbs and all the, the new gear, which is epic. But we're still on concrete la at the stones, which horrendous. They're so heavy. Yeah, we, we, are, we are too. Um, but, but you're going to see that uh, changing a bit. Are, are you guys coming to Worlds this year? 
Yes and no. <laughs> We've, uh, it's just a, yeah. a expenses and a travel kind of thing. We've got to look into it before we uh, commit to it. Yeah, the we reason why I say that is they're, they're doing something really cool this year. They're going to have about a 6,000 square foot merchandise tent. Oh, wow. Massive merchandise tent. We're going to have some of our power systems equipment in there on display. Um, I'm also doing, I've got a really cool project going. I, I've teamed up with the Ram Roller team out of Ireland in your, your backyard. Yeah, they are, um, we're doing some really cool stuff with Spartan with the Ram Roller. That is, I, I love that piece of equipment. It's, it, I think it's one of the most genius pieces of equipment ever. And I've been doing a lot of marketing and promotion and, and, and collaboration with, uh, with JP and those guys over, over there. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming. The fact that you can have a great strength training tool and also a foam roller in one is yeah. a super cool deal. So, so keep an eye on the, on, on the, the, the Ram, Ram roller guys. I'm going to look okay. into that. That'd be yep. awesome. Yancy, coming from a coaching point now, uh, bearing yes. in mind probably most of our listeners are Spartan-based, OCR-based. Um, if you were taking on, let's say, a super – what would you, what would be Yancey's three main tips for an open waiver for a super? How long do we have to train or, yeah. or, or, it's, or it's tomorrow? Is it the race tomorrow? Or do we have like a training cycle? Let's say, let's say they give themselves eight weeks. So they've signed up, they're doing Windsor for instance, which is that last one in our series in eight weeks time. Okay. Eight weeks time. We're going to design a muscle cycle, uh, uh, which would be a lot, be a pretty long muscle cycle. That, that's a good, period of time um again i would have to ask the questions kind of what where is your level of training now are you just like are you off the couch or yeah. are you they've just done a sprint they've just done a sprint um okay. they've achieved a sprint they want that next level so okay they're so not by any means beautiful love the question so going back to what i hit on earlier let's go back to those pillars running grip and pull strength grip and pull strength endurance we have to carry heavy stuff and we have to be able to climb mm -hmm. we, nine out of 10 races. There's going to be some climbing, uh, ascending, uh, and some descending. So we're going to use those four pillars that first week. I'm going to create some base level workouts. Uh, most people want to train six days a week. I always try to force them down to five and even some weeks I'll say four. So I'm going to give them two days. I'm going to have minimum two days recovery where you're doing nothing. I mean, if you want to go swimming, you want to ride your bike for 10 minutes, whatever, that's all fine and good. You want to do some a yoga class, but there's going to be two days where we're not working out. Five days a week, we're going to have three of those. It's going to be a tough – this is kind of how the YanceyCamp.com program works around. We're going to have three big workouts. And every single one of those workouts, let me say at least 80% of those workouts over the course of the seven weeks, because that last week we'll have a nice taper – over seven weeks, minimum of two of those workouts is going to cover every single one of those pillars. Those four pillars, we're going to cover those. Now, a portion of those, about 70% of those, were for, for, the, for the aerobic piece, we're going to stay aerobic. You know, for the cardio piece, we're going to stay um, in, in like a zone three, somewhere in that zone three heart rate. 20-30% um, of the time, we're going to actually get into our – at and or above lactate threshold and the lactate lactate tolerance work um and that could look several different ways we're going the, the 
somewhere between two to eight minutes of run time that comes in between this OCR specific strength training that I provide. Um, it might be two minutes aerobic, four minutes above lactate threshold, two minutes aerobic, a minute and a half of OCR specific strength training. Basically what I'm going to do the first week is I'm going to create um, three very key workouts that we're going to work with over the next six weeks. Now I'm going to progress those. The next week I might take one of those and the rep count on some of the OCR specific strength training stuff is going to be a little, a little higher. Um, I might, um, throughout the six weeks, I may progress, you know, where, uh, the say there was a six minute running section and two minutes was above lactate threshold of the two of the six minutes was above lactate threshold. Well, week two, we might go to two and a half minutes above week three. We might go to three minutes above around week four or five. I will actually have you do all six minutes at above lactate threshold where now, you know, the amount of you're looking back at week one when only two minutes was above lactate threshold on that Monday workout and the hand position changes was only eight reps. Now you're accomplishing it at week six, week five or six with the entire six minutes above lactate threshold doing twice as many grip and pull strength reps and twice as many reps feel easier than they did in week one when only when four of the six minutes was low end aerobic. So during that meso cycle, we're going to, we're going to kind of, we're going to, we're going to build up progressively and then kind of take a week and a half to bring it back down and roll right into the race. So that could look, that could be somebody that might take three hours to do a sprint. That could be somebody that takes 45 minutes to do a sprint, mm. but the workout structure can be identical for mm. them. I'll give them ways to regress. You know, maybe you're doing strength band assisted hand position changes or pull-ups or whatever, or the various other exercises that I do. Um, so as the weeks go on, I'll get more and more creative with the, with the OCR specific strength training that I throw in there. Um, you may be doing box step ups. You may be spending some time on the treadmill. If you're stuck indoors, 15 minute, uh, you know, 15% incline. Uh, some of that maybe like the first week, none of it's with heavy carries week two, 20% of it's with heavy carries. You're carrying a bucket or, or, or farmer's walk with dumbbells or, or sandbag in the gym or whatever you can carry you. So you're increasing the amount of time that you're carrying the other two days of the, of, so you have three of those the other two days, we're going to add some some time on our feet. Uh, I like to schedule brick brick workouts that way, so it's not all time on our feet. It might be an hour. Uh, it could be something as simple as thirty minutes on the bike, thirty minutes run. But there's no transition time. You go from the bike right to the run, so we get sixty minutes of straight uh, elevated heart rate time without a break. Um, you can almost cheat the system if you extrapolate that over the course of the year, where You've cut your time on feet in half, but because you, you have those real quick transitions like a triathlete has, you're, you have the elevated heart rate, so you're going to get that great aerobic base building uh, time frame in without all of it being on your feet. Nine out of ten people do not have great running mechanics, and they end up injuring themselves. Um, you know, Richard and I do spend a lot of time trying to help people with, with that, and um, uh, Richard's actually one of my – he's on the ANSI camp team. You can – you can, you can team with Richard and see two of his two running workouts each week and um, communicate with him. But um, so just get, get creative with the, with the aerobic uh, conditioning. Uh, 
Mm. And that, that's what it would look like. You know, I always say lean towards a little too much, you know, a little too much rest is better than a, a little too much time on feet training. I so don't you know, if, if I'm, if I'm giving you a program like Yancy camp, it's three workouts a week. Well, I designed those workouts in a way where if you have one week in that seven week training cycle, and that's all you get in is those three workouts. You have four days off. Guess what? That's a damn good week still. You know, so if you, I would rather you, I would rather you put your head on the pillow Sunday night and feel good about yourself. Mm. If I'm throwing six workouts at you every week, nine out of 10 people, we're not Ryan Atkins. We don't live in the mountains and train full time. We have jobs. So I want you to put your head on the pillow at night on Sunday night and say, I got my four workouts in and I feel accomplished. My coach tells me I am accomplished and the, the workouts are quality and I'm not out there logging 60, 70, 80 miles a week. You don't have to. My grip and pull strength is getting stronger. My ability to carry is getting stronger. So that one eight-week training plan leading into that sprint that you talk about, that super you talk about, is going to be very effective. Now, is that going to get – you on the podium at world championships? No. But I think one of the reasons Yancey Camp's been successful is I know that 99.9% of people, number one, they know they're not, that's not their goal. And I don't care if I train them for the next 10 years, they could never get there. Mm -hmm. I could never get there. And I was a great runner. It's just, you know, I'm 46 years old now, not happening. But most people are looking to run their first clean race eliminate burpees, maybe go to OCR Worlds and keep their band. They have goals, just like, just like you know, John yeah. Alvin has goals. We have, this, we have goals. Um, so I try to cater to that person, like you, the question you asked. That person has got a super in eight weeks, and you know what? They want to climb the rope for the first time in their life. They don't want to fill the monkey bars anymore. They want to be able to accomplish that obstacle. And maybe in three years from now, they'll shoot, they'll shoot us a text message saying they ran their very first clean race. And there's nothing better than that. I, that, that. That'll bring me to tears way quicker than one of my athletes getting on the podium at World Championships. Hmm. No, yeah. Two things off the back of that, Yancy. Sorry, Luke. Yeah. Two things off the back of that. Where do you stand on nutrition? And I appreciate that's a huge subject and we could talk for years on that. Where, just yep. roughly, where do you stand on nutrition? Great and question. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Hit me with the second one too. Oh, go on. Secondly, where do you stand on shoes? As in... You talk about running. I know Richard Diaz is big on um, natural four-foot running. Where do you stand on shoes? Okay, so nutrition. I am stupid blessed. It's almost like legal cheating. My wife is a sports performance dietitian for the Texas Longhorn Athletic Department. She manages 700, 600, 700 athletes. Um, she is one of the most well-respected sports performance dietitians on the planet. That's my wife. That's who lives in this house. I'm crazy <laughs> blessed, man. My athletes have a big benefit they're able to call her from time to time. We do, we do live sessions. We, we do Skype sessions. So, but, but here's the deal with that. A good dietitian, a good, any good coach. First off, as a coach, I, my job as a good coach is to teach you nutrition at a fifth grade level, an elementary level. I need to know elementary nutrition really, really well. My wife's the professional. At no time do I need to be pretending that I'm coaching nutrition at a professional level because it's a very, there's a ton of science involved and, you know, a personal trainers kicking out the latest diet fad to, to, to sell this or sell that. It's, 
it's a re, it's it, it's a it's a fad. That's exactly what it is. It's the reason why they all come and go. Guess what? The keto diet in a couple of years will be gone, and nobody will be talking about it anymore. I guarantee it. So, I like to teach sound nutrition practices to fuel the body for the workout and the race, and to create a nutrition plan for my athletes that's going to last a lifestyle. It is what I'm telling you to do today. Is that going to work for you next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Is that going to work for how you coach your kids and your entire family? And is it sound science that's going to fuel the body? It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not coming at you to sell any books or sell you any supplements. Um, if, if there's a few things out there, like I work with human, the makers of Be Elite. Yeah. They have basic food items Something like Beat Elite, it allows you to get the nitric oxide generating potential of six beets in a nice little convenient package. The ingredients, guess what they are? It's crystallized beets. Simple. I'm not going to be coming at you with any wild, crazy stuff. I believe, my wife and I believe in you getting your nutrition from food first. If you have your diet nailed down, you have a good handle on your diet, then you can supplement. Don't go to supplements first. Get your diet nailed down first. Most people have a most people will try to out supplement a poor diet that doesn't work. And the key thing to focus on is it, it does it work in your lifestyle. If you find yourself doing things that are just not going to work for you and your family long-term, that's 99% time that's going to fail and fail miserably. You're going to be on a roller coaster ride. Like 90% of people are with nutrition. I don't care if it's sports performance or not. Nutrition is a roller coaster ride for them and it shouldn't be. They should be able to find great peace with food. Most people do not have peace with food. You want to get it right 90% of the time. If you go to a party and have a cupcake and have a freaking beer, you don't beat yourself up over it. You enjoy the piece of pizza, you enjoy the cupcake, and then you get your ass back on the nutrition train tomorrow. You don't post on Facebook, oh my God, I had a cheat day. No, you didn't have a cheat day. You enjoyed a cupcake at a party, dude. It's not a cheat day. It's not going to freaking not going to freak you. Your body's not going to go into freak out mode. 90% of the time, get it right. And guess what? If that's the model you portray, 90, 10, 80, 20, somewhere in that range, 90% of the time, that's going to be something you can stick with for the rest of your life. If you beat yourself up every time you have a damn piece of pizza or a cheeseburger, you're going to be falling off the wagon like this all the damn time. So now I'll get off my soapbox there. Shoes. I believe and I strongly support uh, Richard and I are, are lock stock on that. Here's the deal. I don't think it's debatable. Shoes are one of the largest reasons most people have piss poor running form. And, and I, 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 I coach this. I'll take 50 athletes and take them through a running workout. I, 50 people show up to my running workout, workout tomorrow. And let's say I've never seen any of them before. Yeah. I put them on coach's eye video. I say, run past me at your 5k race pace. Don't tell them anything. I put them on, like a, a rubberized track or a cinder track or, or pavement. Okay. Take your shoes off, run past my camera at the exact same pace. Almost every single one of them is going to quickly change the way they run. All of a sudden, they're midfoot strikers. They're hitting on their forefoot because they took their shoes off. When they came by prior, nine out of 10 of them were overstriding landing unbalanced and driving their heel into the ground. Why? Because the shoe is allowing them to do that. The big moon shoe padded heel is allowing them to do that. 
the brain is not stupid. The moment the shoe comes off, they're like, well, that would be ridiculous. There's no way 165 pounds, I'm going to drive my heel, that bony heel into the ground. I'm going to hit on my midfoot, forefoot, turn on my posterior chain, that shock absorber, gastroc, soleus, Achilles, heel and foot fascia. I'm going to turn on that whole posterior chain shock absorbing system that's been turned off because of my stupid shoes. And now I'm going to be using it. Okay, so what has to happen there is we have to unwrap the problem. Now, it's genius that we have round tires and comfortable shoes for our feet and computers and people create something like a shoe. I love it. And nice shoes come out. But when you put these big 10, 15 mil drops, we're running around in stiletto heels um, and they have massive padding. The brains, you know, over time, that has created a lot of improper running form. Everybody takes their shoes off or puts on a pair of minimalist shoes. Um, or this is, let's keep it simple. Let's just go for a, a half a mile run without our shoes on. Wow. All of a sudden, everybody's running mechanics look a lot better. Well, these shoes weren't around 100 years ago. We had moccasins. We had a little piece of leather. And if you went running, you know, if you watch some Indian or, or some African chasing an animal or, or, or some cowboy out there, I don't know, whoever chasing animals in the wild, you're, you're not overstriding and driving your heel into the ground. So shoes have jacked up our running form. I'm a big fan of, of, of zero drop or slowly working yourself down to zero drop. I'm not a big fan of a huge shoe. I like for the, I like for the foot to be turned on, the arches to be turned on. Um, I like that midfoot, forefoot strike because we, we land with our, our foot lands up under our center of gravity. We're going to land under balance, under control. The posture chain is going to be turned on. So every bit of that, that I just thrown it, you have, you've got to be careful if you're taking somebody and re, you, you can't just say, hey, go to ultra zero drop and start logging 50 miles a week. You're going to injure them because their posterior chain has been turned off and whatnot. So with that, getting back to your shoe question and, you know, I would love to, if, if I had you for two days, I'd take you for, I'd take you through some very specific drills that I've learned from Richard and, and I, I, from my years as well. But, um, um, I'd take you through two days and, and if your mechanics are bad, I'd fix them. But with that, I'm a big fan of zero drop shoes, the topos, the, the ultras and whatnot, because if you can slow yourself, work your way down to those zero drop shoes that don't have a ton of protection. Listen, a great shoe that's zero drop and semi minimalist. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say minimalist, but just a basic shoe. Hey, that's great, man. If I step on a rock or a piece of glass on the trail, I'm not going to cut my foot. I'm not, I don't promote barefoot running a nice shoe that's going to protect your foot, work yourself down to zero drop. If you can, or a very low drop, you're going to be, it's going to be much easier to find that midfoot, forefoot strike. It's going to be much easier to, to get that foot hitting more on your center gravity. You're not going to have that, you know, two mil is one nickel. So 10 mil is five nickels stacked on top of each other. When you're, when your foot hits, you're, you're, your forefoot's hitting and your heel's just about that high off the ground. It's not like up here. You're not like running on your toes. And then the moment the, the forefoot hits, the heel lightly taps the ground to unwrap that, that tension that's back there in that posterior chain, your gastroc, your soleus, down through your Achilles. So that big 10, 15 mil drop makes that very hard to do. Now the heel is wanting to make contact first. So that, mid, that, that zero drop makes a lot of sense once you start getting your strike under your center of gravity and start hitting under more balance. So, answer your question and I'll get off my soapbox 
finding a shoe that's very low drop, slowly working yourself down to low drop, eventually zero drop. It's game changing. It's life changing. I, everything I do is in ultras. If you put me in a pair of Nikes or something with a 10, 15 mil drop, I almost don't know what, how, I can't even hardly walk. I can't run in them. It feels weird. It throws everything out of whack. So basically what happens is these people that are hovering around 20, 40 miles a week and they have shit running form. If you got this massive mattress under your heel, you can kind of get away without injuring yourself for a while at least. And that's because the shoe industry, I, I, I'm just not a fan of the, um, you know, I, okay. I, I would love to see the shoe industry change a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you just said that. About seven years ago, I, I read Born to Run and I was a convert ever since. So here's the deal. Amazing book. The only place that book screwed up was there wasn't that asterisk that said, hey, guys, don't freaking run barefoot. These five fingers are stupid. Don't just, you've been running in these massive moon shoes forever. Don't go out and buy a pair of five fingers tomorrow and start logging all your miles in five fingers. Guess what? You're going to be injured every single one of you. That's the only way the book, you know, the book kind of had everybody drop. They threw the book down and ran to the store and they were running barefoot and running in five fingers. And that's, we had shit tons of people injured because of the book. But as a whole, the book is like the greatest book yeah. I've ever that's, read. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Let's bring back to us, Yancy. How many athletes you got coming to the UK for the Worlds? We had what about we had about a hundred run at Noram. It's it's kind of like the same for you guys. You know, if, if Worlds is over here, there's obviously going to be a more a lot more people from the US than than the UK. Now there's going to be a lot of people from the UK there because logistically it's easier. We'll have a we'll have a lot of people come over. You know, I'm guessing I'll probably have a hundred, a hundred plus that, that yanceycamp.com athletes, a lot of my um, roster athletes, you know, some of my roster athletes will, will make it over. We have 17, getting ready to have 18 roster athletes. We're adding Jessica Lemon this week. She's a real high level Canadian. Um, been, been working with her for about six weeks, six months, but you know, I'd say about a hundred approximately. We have right now we have about six hundred clients in eighteen countries, yancycamp.com, and we have you know international. We have we have roster athletes. The seventeen roster athletes are from the U.S., Canada, South Africa, um, Australia, and um, and Raya um, Raya, who's she's technically U.S. but but she's an international athlete as well. So. Um, and we're always looking to add. I've actually, um, I'm talking to, um, kind of off, off the record, I'm, I'm talking to a few people, even one person from the UK that, um, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to have a Yancey Camp athlete, roster athlete from the, uh, from the UK. It just basically get, you know, I've got maybe 15 clients from South Africa and though, you know, their team with Greg Avarinos or you know, I have Christopher Woolley, one of the top Australian OCR athletes. And, you know, he's my roster athlete. I've been working with him for about a year and a half. So he's my roster athlete there. So, um, again, it just provides athletes from that, that country an extremely inexpensive way to get some coaching without breaking the bank. <clears throat> That's awesome. Great. Um, so, Yancy, yourself, what is your next race, your next OCR event? Um, I am – there's nothing – 
hardcore on the schedule. I am, I'm, I'm, I think I may be doing West Point, Spartan West Point coming up. I have some specific reasons for that one. And uh, I may do Spartan Nashville. Um, everything I do these days, because I have so much going on, it, it, like those races I mentioned, it'll be Wednesday of that week. And I was like, okay, it's going to work this weekend. I'll, I'll literally get my flight on Thursday and, and fly in and wow, just kind of bomb in, do the race, and fly out. Um, I just got a crazy schedule. I, with, with Alpha Warrior, I have the amazing opportunity to – Alpha Warrior Military, I have the amazing opportunity to travel around. And we, we are literally changing the way the military uh, accomplishes fitness. You know, we've sold our, our fitness – concept to approximately 180 military bases u.s military bases across the world so our alpha warrior 360 uh, battle rig uh functional fitness battle rig is being installed all over so i go around and, and coach like remember when i said when i was in the navy i had that collateral duty of training people to keep them in shape well the, the military still does that there's a lot of people that have the collateral duty of keeping people in shape well i go in and teach those athletes alpha warrior comes in and we teach them how to coach circuit fitness circuit training on the alpha warrior battle rig um, it's got a lot of stuff going on. So that, that's kind of how I race. So back to your question, Spartan Nashville, hopefully, and Spartan West Point, hopefully. Excellent. That's great. What, uh, what race in the future is like the one that's got your most attention? Is it the Iceland Ultra? Is it the UK one for like um, mm. excitement, uh, like a big event in OCR that's coming up that you're excited about for your athletes um, to race in, or just for just to watch, just to see what happens. I, I would say I. The, the most the most unique thing that's happened over the past year would be this extreme interest in both bookends. You know, TMX is one bookend and Spartan get more creative with their stadium races. And the other bookend will be the ultras, you know, Iceland ultra and some of the other long stuff. You know, we had the 24 hour enduro in Australia. So man, you, you just have when, when, that, when, when the, when the extreme bookends become more in the spotlight, what's, what's going to happen is, and I've kind of been preaching this for a while. We're not there yet. Even in the U S we're not there anywhere, but we're getting there. So let's, let's look at track and field across the world. Let's look at swimming. Two very key Olympic sports that have all these different distances. Well, in those sports, like Michael Phelps can win all the sprints. If he jumped in the pool and swim the, swam the 1500, he'd be, he'd be damn good, but he wouldn't stand a prayer's chance of ever making the Olympics in the 1500, the championships in the Olympics. Same way with the 1500-meter swimmer. He or she couldn't step down to the 100 meters. Same in track and field. You know, the 10K guy can't step down and run the 200 meters. Well, so what we have happening now is, you know, Hunter McIntyre wins TMX. Well, Hunter never really – he's never going to win Spartan Worlds. He just he, – he gave it everything he had. Mm. Um, you know, somebody like Robert Killian or Cody Moat or John Albin doesn't stand a prayer's chance at TMX. So now all of a sudden you have this – the best of the best – can't go and win all of the races so you know and and hunter mcintyre is not going to go win iceland um so you've got this, this you've got this specialization starting to take place it's really cool 
because you have the far left book in here, TMX and whatnot, and you have the far right book in the Ultras 24 Hour Plus, World's Toughest Mudder, Spartan Iceland. So you're starting to see athletes specialize a little bit. I love that as a coach because, you know, you know if, I, if I've got Ryan Kent or I've got uh, Glenn Race or Rhea Coble or Rose Wetzel or Morgan Mackay, Allison Ty, you know, every one of those athletes is going to eventually find the area of racing that they're the best at. So the majority of our training is going to be focused in that area and you're going to get much better in that area versus trying to do it all. So I love that more and more people, the more people that pour into the sport, the thicker the field's going to get, which is going to allow fewer and fewer of those athletes that used to be able to go span all distances. Um, fewer and fewer of the athletes are going to be able to do that. I, I've always argued that it, it's a toss-up for me. Ryan Atkins or Hunter McIntyre are, are the two greatest um, OSHA athletes that have ever lived because if you take every single distance that the sport offers right now, they're, both of those guys are very relevant. Ryan Atkins took second place last year at TMX. Hunter McIntyre won it. Ryan's only 165 pounds. That was amazing. So Hunter's a little better at the shorter distance stuff, the TMX type stuff. Obvious reasons, he's a 200 pounds. Big on the flip side, Ryan's arguably the best that's ever we've ever seen at the 24-hour distance. Well, Hunter's shown that he can go to World's Toughest Mudder and hang with – and do very, very well there. I mean, he won the team championship 2014. Um, you know, he can, hang, he, can hold his, he can hold his own at the long races. So those kind of athletes are arguably – like the Corinna Coffin types, you know, best of the best because they can span all the distances. But as we get close – as we get tighter and tighter in these specializations, man, I love seeing it become more like swimming and track and field where you got to specialize. Through sport, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you, getting specific. Yancey, it has been amazing. It's been real. Um, where can people find you? Where can they find you online? Is it Instagram? Is it yanceycamp.com that they're going to go to find you and chat to you? We don't want to take all of your time. We know, we know yeah. you're a really busy man. Um, yeah, if you guys want to show me some, if you guys want to show me some love in those areas. Uh, at Yancey, on Instagram, it's at Yancey Culp and at Yancey Camp official. Uh, Facebook is Yancey Camp mm-hmm. and uh, Yancey Culp. I'm, I'm sorry, YanceyCamp.com is our is our website where you can. Uh, it's all things, you know. It's a very interactive website. We have challenges. We have our goal board. We have a lot of cool stuff. You don't have to be a Yancey Camp member to enjoy certain things the website has to offer. Um. You know, shout out to my, my team at, at human, humanin.com. Check out everything HumanIn, makers of Beat Elite and many other great products that are used by the OCR world. Shout out to my Power Systems team. Um, shout out to my Alpha Warrior team. Shout out to my, 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 fam, my Ram Roller family, uh, ramfit.com. Um, shout out to, oh man, to, to Mobo Systems. Uh, I'm going to forget somebody. Oh, to de- oh, demonsled.com. That's uh, our, you know, product that my, my, my business partner and I created and uh, we'll be selling soon through, through power systems. Um, shout out to uh, everybody at Spartan, the, the family that I get to work with. I get to collaborate with them a lot now, but I, I got a lot of irons in the fire, man. A lot of fun stuff going on. 
And uh, luckily, none of it ties me down full time. So I've got a lot of time to do cool stuff like come on with you guys and spend an hour and a half. Cool. So I appreciate you, you giving me the time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a special episode. Um, we will link all of those things down below. I've got many links to find online now. Google. <laughs> um, we'll link all those in the episode notes below so all of the listeners can find out everything that Yancey's doing and probably not even half of what Yancey's doing. Um, but yeah, it's been a special episode, Yancey. I'll, 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 I'll close with this. Um, I, I do my absolute best to be the best mental conditioning coach I can be as far as physical. So for all my friends over in the UK, I would a couple, couple key things. I would say I want you to start saying yes to a challenge every day. I want you to try to be a rookie every single day. It's very easy to be a veteran. It's very easy to be good at what we're good at and just settle in and be comfortable. Say yes to being a rookie every day. That means something that, that scares the piss out of you and challenges you at work, at home, out on course, in the gym, whatever. Challenge yourself. Be a rookie every day. Um, that's very important. And, and I'll, I'll finish it with this. Every one of you listening to this podcast, you spend most of your day on platform A, B, or C. I'll quickly summarize the three platforms. Platform A, you're a hard charger. You have a positive approach on life. You're an optimist. You get up. You, you pinch every single second out of life, every single day. You attack that day with vigor and passion. People, people um, want to collaborate with you. They want to gravitate to you because of your, your attitude and your approach. That's platform A. Platform C, you're a pain in the ass. You're everything opposite of platform A. I, I could spend an hour on platform C. I won't. You're a pain in the ass. Platform B, you're just kind of messing around in mediocrity. Okay, I could spend an hour on that one as well. It's not, it's not debatable, not arguable. Every one of us spend most of our day on one of those three platforms. It's not debatable. Make the decision before your feet hit the floor in the morning that I'm going to spend my day on platform A. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to let myself fall. When I, when I do fall off of A, I'm going to be hanging around other people that like to be on A, and they're going to pick my ass back up and put me back on A. That's what you got to do. That right there, my platform talk will summarize so much of what we need to be successful, to have a great family, and to live life, to, to leave a legacy that's worth leaving for others to follow in your footsteps. That kind of summarizes, if I go do a motivational talk somewhere, I'll, I'll summarize with my platform talk. So to all my friends out there in the UK, take that with you. Don't let your feet hit the floor in the morning until you're ready to hang out on platform A all day tomorrow with me. Much love from Austin, Texas. Uh, drive fast and take chances. <laughs> Thank you, Yancy. You guys Thank be you. good. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Take care. So if you want to sign up to a Spartan race, you can use our code SPARTANAUDIO, all caps, SPARTANAUDIO, for 15% off any race, any wave. So that is the Sprint Super Beast Ultra Hurricane Heat uh, Kids Race as well. This is of all UK races um, and any wave as well. So you can sign up into the Elite Wave, the Age Group Wave, the Open Wave for any of those events. Also, you can receive uh, free parking, free bag drop, and you can get money off the merch tent. So sign up today, Spartan Audio. Spartans, what is your profession? You've 
listening to OCR Audio with Luke and Jack. See you next time.